Second Story Studios presents The Scribe Podcast, where stories are told and glory is given. I'm Daniel Hintz, and in today's episode, we will be looking at the creation of a short story from a single image. What does it look like to build a world through the view of a single window? What larger pictures can be found by staring through a peephole? What happens when inspiration meets imagination? And what might be discovered about oneself in the process? I'm here to ask these questions, and with any luck, to stumble upon some answers too. Whether or not they're the right ones, well, that remains to be seen. But in the meantime, let's tell a story. The Botanist and the Almost Invasion Everyone has something that they can do which to them seems perfectly normal, but which actually sets them apart in the grand scheme of humanity. For Constance, it was botany. Nothing seemed more natural to her than spending hours upon hours in her laboratory, experimenting, hypothesizing, and observing all kinds of plant life. Yet, if you had asked her, she would have assumed that everyone knew just as much as she did about the Bolivian daisy or the red-stemmed tulium. Though, in fact, she was the world's premier expert on both red and purple-stemmed tuliums, as well as one of only seven people in the world who could distinguish a Bolivian daisy from its cousin, the Chilean daisy. On the day that the plague broke out, this knowledge became very useful, not only for Constance Montmorency, but indeed for the entire human race. Allow me to set the stage. The year was 1929. Public fascination with technology and the means by which mankind might continue its dominance over nature was at its peak. Each day, word of the next advancement was plastered across the fronts of newspapers, even as yesterday's inventions became more and more ubiquitous. Trains and cars and submarines and airplanes meant that soon there would be no corner of the world we couldn't explore. Imaginations had begun to turn toward the stars and how they too might eventually come within our grasp. That is, if they didn't grasp us first. Constance, however, cared for none of this. She didn't understand why anyone would give even a passing thought to such vague ideas as steam power or the search for life beyond this planet. There was plenty of life here already, far too much that wasn't understood to begin worrying about anything else. This made sense to Constance and she took for granted that it made sense to everyone else as well. It was late August, a warm, clear summer evening, when the spores first began to fall. The people who saw them thought they were only dust or pollen blowing in from nearby fields. Constance, inside her greenhouse, sketching the new lily she had bred, heard only a faint pitter-patter against the windows and did not even bother to look up. The next morning, in the nearby town, a fine moss had taken hold of nearly every nook and cranny in the places the granules had fallen, and no one was quite sure what to make of it. Everywhere you looked, things were coated in a shade of green that didn't seem quite right, or shifted ever so slightly in the light, like it wasn't completely sure what color it should be. Two days later, things had gotten much, much worse. Just like everyone else, Constance noticed the new fungus almost immediately the day it started appearing, and had categorized it as a non-native species similar to several strains of Canadian swamp moss before lunchtime. Her curiosity was piqued, and by the end of the day she had conducted many experiments, coming to the conclusion that it was likely capable of releasing a noxious odor, like its earthbound counterpart, 
and so she did what she could to synthesize some kind of remedy. However, the thought never once occurred to her that this might be something to which other people would need to be alerted. Surely everyone knew the basics of plant physiology. Constance's research on the subject was something she did only because she enjoyed figuring it out. So a few days later, when she was walking into town, it surprised her not to see anyone else out and about. In fact, as she looked more closely, the town was completely deserted, with doors and windows boarded up and scorch marks covering a large number of buildings. She was wondering what was going on when a figure in a large and clunky suit approached her. Whether they were a man or woman, Constance wasn't sure, as a mask covered their entire face, making it difficult to understand the things they yelled at Constance. Ma'am, what are you doing out here? It's not safe. You've already been contaminated. Please, come with me. Our emergency headquarters are right over here. What's going on? Was there an attack? We're not sure yet, but you need to come with me. The figure concluded by placing a small mask with an attached canister over Constance's mouth. Constance followed the figure through the town, past more abandoned or barricaded buildings, until they came to a large network of tents set up in the street outside the hospital. Here there was finally evidence that people were around, as more figures wearing the same sort of suits as Constance's guide were bustling about, carrying stretchers and equipment between wings of the complex. She was ushered into one of the closest tents, where still more figures were examining and treating several people who, like her, had only a small mask and not the full suits of the workers. Even behind the masks, she could tell that these people were sick, many of them dangerously so. Even a few of the figures, Constance assumed now that they were doctors, could be heard coughing from time to time. One of the doctors approached Constance, giving her a cursory examination. What were you still doing out there? How in the world have you managed not to catch the disease? Didn't you know about the moss? Oh, yes, I saw the moss. Not dissimilar to Canadian Swamp. Nothing an amateur couldn't take care of. But why are all these people here? What sort of attack was it? The doctor stopped what they were doing, and Constance could have sworn she saw their jawline shift slightly, as if their mouth was now wide open. Ma'am, you know what kind of plant it was? How do we keep it from spreading? Do you know how to stop it? I mean, killing it is easy. A simple sulfate mixture worked around my cottage. I also made an antidote a couple of days ago while I was testing some new lab equipment. I assume everyone in town must have done the same before the attack. There... there wasn't an attack. The moss did this. You do know that the moss did this, right? Oh, why didn't you say so? If you have a lab I could borrow for 20 minutes, I could make more of my antidote. Otherwise, I'll have to go back to my house, and it might take me an hour or so. And that is the story of how Constance Montmorency finally realized that botany is not something to be taken for granted, while also, you know, saving the world. So, that story, The Botanist and the Almost Invasion, was, as the last couple stories that I've released, um, inspired by a picture. And this picture was drawn by my friend Krista, who, as part of a art challenge, was doing sketches um, every day through the month of October. And one of her sketches, I asked if I could use it 
um, as the basis for this story. Um, and it's the sketch you've seen in the artwork and in the link, if you click through to the, the website, you can see the full um, image. Uh, but it is a picture of a young woman who is kind of dressed up in an apron and um, has some goggles on her head and kind of has a almost steampunk aesthetic. And she is sketching plants and seems to be some sort of scientist, studier of plants. And immediately when I saw this image, I knew that there could be a story here because the, the aesthetic and the tone was suggested by the art. When I'm looking for images and things to base stories on, um, that's kind of the thing that I look for first is, does the tone suggest itself? Like the subject matter can be pretty much anything, but if there is a clear style or a clear, clear aesthetic being suggested by the picture or by the art, um, that makes it so much easier to write a story because I kind of have somewhere to start to use the analogy of like painting. I have like a color palette that I can start with. And so when I saw this image, it suggested several things to me. Uh, the first of which was kind of the the time period. And like I said, with almost like a steampunk aesthetic and kind of the goggles and it felt very, um, I don't know if Gothic is quite right or Victorian's quite right, but that kind of new turn of the century industrial revolution sort of thing. Um, it reminded me in a lot of ways of the characters from a series of unfortunate events, which kind of happens in this vague timeline where there's like modern stuff, but it feels very kind of gothic. And, and and this character felt kind of at home with that. And then also the expression on the character's face felt detached. And it didn't seem like it was going to be like a, a super happy story. And it didn't seem like it was going to be something where... Um, this was like a cheerful sort of character. And I don't know, in, in the end result, it's not like Constance is not cheerful. I mean, there's not a whole lot about her personality that we know other than that she doesn't think she's a big deal. Um, and then obviously the plants were another big component of the picture. There again, with, with just kind of the aesthetic, the suggestion of the picture my mind kind of started drifting towards some of these um, science fiction sort of stories that happen um, kind of in that time. So something like H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds or H.P. Lovecraft and kind of the Cthulhu mythos. Things like this started coming to mind as far as things that felt like they fit the tone of this picture. And once I had that... Um, this story was actually, this is the shortest I've ever written a story in. It took me a little bit less than a week to actually write this story. And um, as opposed to usually it takes me at least two weeks to write any of the stories that are on the podcast. And it wasn't like I had to really work through this. Um, kind of like previous stories that I've talked about, the idea for this story pretty much came to me in its complete form relatively early after I knew this was the picture I was going to do and this was the kind of direction the tone um, the whole story presented itself pretty well like so usually when I sit down and write there are a few paragraphs a page or two maybe 
of notes where I just start asking questions and I just start kind of trying to type through things and figure out what I'm going to do with the source material. And this one in the final document, it's just the story. Like I have no notes. I have no false starts that I kept. Like it's just the story. Now I did tweak that story um, and I did kind of have to rework parts of it, but it was much easier to write than a lot of stories that I end up doing. And I was a little bit worried that it wasn't going to feel finished. I've talked before I know about how my process, there tends to be a moment where I come up with the idea and then write a first draft and then I'm not totally happy with it and have to sit on it for a few days before I get to the good draft. Um, And I didn't really have time to do that this week when I was writing it. Uh, or, or my my process was kind of compressed and I didn't have as much time to kind of sit on the story after that first draft. But I've heard um, some screenwriters and people who, who write stories professionally talk about how if you can see the story in your head, it becomes very easy to, to tell the story um, because you're just narrating basically what you're seeing. Um, in your head. And sometimes I have difficulty doing that because I tend to try to create very vague or um, metaphorical sorts of stories that have some, a lot of layers to them. And it's, it's easy for me to kind of get lost in the weeds of where that story is going. But with this story, I could actually see the story. Like I could picture in my head, and I think a large portion of that was because the artwork was so evocative. I could see what this story looked like. And before anyone brings it up, no, I know nothing about botany. I know very little about the time period that I chose to write about. And so I am sure this story is filled with many, many factual inaccuracies. Like, I'm just sure that's the case Um, because it was more important for me to be about tone than it it was like being 100% accurate. And so I hope that it feels believable as a story. But the theme that kind of took place and the theme came to me just right about the same time the story did, slightly before, but right, I mean, very early on in the process, everyone has something that they can do. Everyone has something that makes them unique. And oftentimes, those are the things that we take for granted about ourselves. And i that's something that I have learned from personal experience, that there are things that I do that I just assume are normal. And then I will see people not do them, or people will tell me like, hey, that's weird. And I'll start thinking about it, and I'll realize, oh, yeah, that's odd. The source of those things is usually the things that we just kind of choose to do, the things that we're naturally drawn toward. And because we are drawn towards them as people or as individuals, we just assume that other people are also drawn to those things. And so, for instance, I like to write things and I like to talk about meta narratives and themes and things like that. Those things come naturally to me. And so for a long time, I just assumed that that wasn't special, that like everyone does that. And I'm not saying that I'm alone in those things, but that does separate me from like a portion of the population that could not care less about what's going on in stories or like why stories work. And 
the fact that not only is that something that I'm drawn towards, but that's something that I do, that I actually spend time telling stories and thinking about stories. And it's not just something that like is kind of this vague or like, oh, I like to do this, but I never actually do it. But I invest time in it. That means that it is it becomes a defining characteristic that other people wouldn't necessarily have. And it, and it separates me from other people. And likewise, every single person, I believe, has something like that, where either it is a thing that they do or it's a combination of things that they do that makes them different, but that you wouldn't necessarily notice about yourself. And other people definitely notice it, but you wouldn't. And so I wanted this character, Constance, to have this thing that she does that she is phenomenal at but that she just kind of takes for granted like oh everyone does this everyone knows about plants then i wanted to create this scenario where she would realize how good she was at this thing and how unique that made her Um, this also kind of branched off from a story that i have on my phone i have like a note document that has not like ideas for the podcast but just kind of story ideas that if I if I have a thought that's like, huh, I wonder if that could turn into a story, I'll just throw it in there. And one of the ones that I've had thrown in there um, probably for several months, a year, something like that, is a story about someone who saves the world who everyone thinks is like an expert in the field of saving the world. But in reality, they just kind of like made it happen. And when the world needs to be saved again they everyone thinks that they're the expert because they've done it before but the idea that doing it before doing something once does not make you an expert in your own eyes but it might make you an expert in the eyes of everyone who's never done something and the theme there kind of being similar to the theme that this story ended up addressing of like not realizing that you are an expert to other people because it's just something that you do naturally or take for granted so there were a lot of these influences as far as what was going to make the story worth telling, what was kind of going to shape it. Um, and I had the character of Constance as kind of this thing, and I had the tone of the world and, and things like that. So I just needed the force, the situation that could make Constance realize how special she is. Obviously, the larger scale something like that is, the better. Like, the more ridiculous and blown up it can be, A, the more fun it is as a story, I think, and then B, the the, the larger than life that something is, kind of the, the more it throws into relief, like, the small scale in, in our own lives. Like, if this was just a story about how she, like, did something small, okay, that's that's one thing, but that's almost too direct a parallel to our lives, if that makes sense. And maybe it doesn't, maybe I'm not explaining that correctly, but the idea that like a large scale thing, I can take that and I can relate to that in many different ways as opposed to relating to a small story in only one way because it's so small and it doesn't have as many possible um, extrapolations. Um, I think I explained that correctly. If I didn't, feel free to leave me a comment and say, hey, that was confusing. It didn't make sense. And I can try to explain it again. But anyway, the larger scale, the better. And what's larger than saving the world? Well, I mean, it's probably saving the universe, but that seemed out of reach. Um, and so the as I was writing kind of the first little bit, 
the the angle of mankind's focus on technology while ignoring the natural world kind of came in and I didn't intend that to be there. I was just kind of trying to set the tone of the world and I realized, oh, there could be this interesting sub-theme of um, technology versus nature. The idea being that when we, we talk about like extraterrestrial invaders or science fiction and, and things like that with aliens, they are usually like sentient beings. But like, what if they, what if the life out there in space was just plant life? Or what if it was a different category of life than we would be used to? And that doesn't mean it's less, it's less than like the idea of like a gray alien with big black eyes that we think of in popular culture, but it's just, it's even more alien because it is closer to like plant life or something. Once I had that kind of sub-theme, the idea of these spores that just kind of come down and started like just growing this moss all over and it's spreading, it's almost this bacteria that just seemed really compelling. And I, I have not seen that story before. I'm sure someone somewhere has written that story before me and probably better than me, but I, I couldn't think of that. Um, that angle being taken. It's not like it's a malicious intent necessarily, but it could be. It's it's the, the point being that it's so alien that uh, we don't know its motives, which is true alien. Like too often aliens, I feel like in popular culture are just people. And if there were really aliens, I feel like they would be so different that there would be some more barriers than just uh they speak in bleeps and bloops and fly around in spaceships but yeah that idea of here are these spores and in the story as i was kind of editing the story the structure of it shifted um as i went through some different edits on it and so i had to cut out some parts where i was really making it clear that this was an alien species um, because it didn't it didn't fit it didn't feel necessary but um, my idea was that this was some kind of lunar moss and in one draft of the story, Constance even knew that, but that seemed incongruous with the rest of her character, so I had to cut that out. And then initially, like, the first draft was the people in the suits show up at her house, and they're try they're recruiting her for this emergency task force, because they know that she's good, but she doesn't realize it. And she's like, why are you, why would you need me? And I realized, well, that doesn't, that doesn't give her the moment of revelation quite the same as just kind of taking for granted that everyone knows how to do this and just going into town like nothing's wrong and realizing that, no, everyone is dying. Like, this is bad news. And part of that might speak negatively of the character of Constance, that she's kind of oblivious to the things that are going on and she should pay more attention. But the, the point is not that she's stupid, the point is simply that, like, this is something that she cares so passionately about that she can't imagine other people not caring about it. And we all have things like that. Just like I was saying, um, we all have things that are so core to who we are that we can't imagine a perspective that does not include those things, whatever those things are. And so it's almost like, just like the alien plant life, is incredibly it's a it's a form of life that is completely alien to and yet oddly similar to what we have here on earth just as an, in an unexpected way constance is kind of alien to 
the world. Like she is, her perspective is completely different than everyone else's, but yet it's oddly similar to in the same sort of way. Um, and there's some, maybe some interesting things to be explored there in like a longer story or maybe a retelling of that where, like I said, I wrote this very quickly compared to most of my stories. And so I didn't have time to develop some of those parallels and themes like I maybe would have in a regular episode, but I don't think that the story suffers too terribly much for that. Um, even so, if anyone who's listening to this wants to take the story and adapt it or change it or take it and use it to inspire your own story or your own work of art or something like that, I would love that. Feel free. And as always, if you do anything like that, go to my website, Ascribe Podcast, A S C R I B E Podcast, all one word, dot WordPress, also one word, dot com. And there's a contact tab there. You can get in touch. You can send me stories that you've written or artwork that you've done. Um, and it doesn't even have to be inspired by this podcast, but just things that you have made that you would like to send me um, so that I can um, see what cool things other people are making and get that perspective that is different than my own. Just like Constance gains that perspective of what's going on in other people's minds. Um, and so, yeah, I would love to continue this discussion. Like I said, if you have any questions or anything, please feel free to let me know. And I'd love to answer those questions. I'd love to continue um, thinking about these things and helping other people to think about them and inspiring them to make far better things than I've made here. But in the meantime, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Ascribe podcast. I've been your host, Daniel Hintz. And until next time, tell stories worth telling. Give glory where glory is due. Goodbye.